0: From the Terraces on Cambridge 105 Radio.
1: A very good afternoon. The year is at the end. This is From the Terraces with Daniel Baker in for Tim Armitage's last show of the year. Plenty to talk about between now and two o'clock. Today's big question, has anyone got 50p for the metre? We'll dissecting the blackout at the LAMEX on Friday. I've got Billy and Sleem in the studio. Hi, guys.
2: Hello. Hiya. Uh... Well,
1: like I said, we'll be dissecting the floodlight failures, <laughs> at the Lamex on Friday. I don't know what we can say about that, really. <laughs> what can you say about something as extraordinary as that, really? But... And we'll also look back at the Oxford game on Boxing Day as well. And ahead to Lake Norwich tomorrow at the Abbey Stadium. That's the New Year's Day game. Cambridge City rescued a point against Corby earlier in the week. They go to Spalding tomorrow. Steph Broccoli will be reunited with his old side. And we'll discuss the a 428 8 Classico, or as it's better known, St it's against Histon. The Stuart Stoney pulled off a Rocky-esque comeback. More on that later. I'll be chatting to their chairman as well about the club's short and long-term ambitions. Billy's been a very busy boy chatting to Chris and John Hall. <laughs> and I'll look back at the story of 2023 for both Cambridge United and Cambridge City. And if you want to be involved in today's show, you can. 07919 70490 We can email studio at cambridge105.co.uk want to be involved in the show plenty to talk about between now and two o'clock as well you just heard rewind sport 2023 which i was uh, involved with and produced and you heard my voice so it's uh, normally when you do a show you say thanks to the last person but i'm saying thank you to myself for the last hour <laughs> good job
3: <laughs> thank you very much guys appreciate it
1: <laughs> much appreciated so we'll be chatting to matt lockwood shortly as well getting his thoughts on the three cambridge united games that have happened or two that have happened well, well, actually, no. It was one, 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 one was. <laughs> one, 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 well, one was. One was an on. Okay. Well, let's let's revise that shall we, slightly, shall we? Let's say one that happened, one that didn't happen, and one that's about to happen. It's like the ghosts of Christmas past, present, present and future. future. <laughs> exactly. Just <laughs> exactly. rather appropriate, isn't it? Yeah. Really. Right. Uh, Matt Lockwood on the way. But first, we have to do that thing, don't we? You just have to introduce Cambridge United in the way that we usually do. beloved ring of fire bring us into cambridge united we should hopefully have matt lockwood on the line matt are you there good afternoon everyone afternoon matt hi Hi, matt how you doing
0: yeah not too bad thank you yourself
1: yeah not too bad thank you not too bad at all happy new year to you
0: yeah and yourselves hopefully it'll be a good one with three points starting
1: tomorrow (laughs) (laughs) that'll be good right okay so let's talk about friday then in that case i think i think billy you'll have a lot to say on this but matt let's go to you first actually we don't actually talk about stuff like this very often on this show about things that didn't happen. I mean, often you think that clubs would have the facilities and the resources to get a game on, even in the sort of conditions that it was. It was just very dark and you know probably a bit wet. Um, but Matt, sum it up in a word for me. A, a fast is what, what's come to mind.
0: Yeah, I, I, well, timpop was my word <laughs> because that's, that's what it really <laughs> sounded like, and. Um, you Know if Billy and uh and uh Salim were there and had, had to be witness to, to all that on Friday, I, I feel sorry for them. Um, by the sounds of it, it, it was an absolute disaster, wasn't it? I mean, it's your, one of your biggest crowds of your season, um, you know, just after Christmas as well, and, and with everything going on, um, you know, people will get the train to the game. Obviously, they're they're all you know. Messed about, and you know, people just travelling. It's only a short distance by car, but you still got to go there, you know, in the evening, and so, to not be able to get the game on. I mean, you know, these things, as I say, have, do happen occasionally. You know, it, it's, it's a very rare event, but I think this is, you know, the second or third time this season. I think that Steve have have had issues with their with their power. And um you'd have thought it had been investigated a, a lot lot more than uh, you know, what they had done They were with one of their biggest games of the season. Um, you know, you'd have thought they'd have been able to have got the game on and sorted and they probably fancied it, uh, you know, looking at the team uh, that we announced for Friday and, and the fact that, you know, we are, you know, decimated by illness and injury right now. They, they must be absolutely gutted because you know they could have beat us quite easily so um, but yeah an absolute far for everyone and um, you know I feel sorry for anybody that actually was there Friday and you know was involved in, in all of it
1: Billy I'm going to bring you in because you were at the Lamex and you were obviously keeping us posted you were reporting sort of you know in, uh, intermittent updates as it were throughout the the evening, and we were thinking to ourselves, I was obviously um, listening to another match at the time, I am thinking to myself, and I was getting these updates, I am thinking to myself, oh my god, gosh, I hope they get this game on, Um, and I remember saying to my dad, look, the Cambridge United game might or might not be happening, and then we got the news, of course, through that it wasn't
2: happening, you were there, sum it up for me. I mean, there's not really much (laughs) to to sum up, I mean, I couldn't see anything that was going on, Um, walked into the stadium, floodlights were off no one really had a clue what was going on Um, and I think that in the end the thing that really uh, you know killed it in the end was the people couldn't get in they couldn't like they couldn't scan their tickets or anything like that so you still had thousands of people outside trying because you know Cambridge sold out the away end and it was not full so there was I came out after the game and there's still just people standing around there's riot police you know there's the police helicopter what, riot fire. police I, seriously yeah. <laughs> is, 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 this, is this for real like, yeah 100% yeah. they looked out the window there was about 20 police cars there so I, I don't did, know uh, if they were anticipating some sort of trouble but um it, I mean I guess it kind of was a bit of a derby but I mean we, we'll never know in the end no we? we'll have to
1: <laughs> rearrange that. we don't have a date for that
4: so they I did see some um tweets um on, on social media about um apparently Stevenage fans attacking Cambridge fans and things like that but yeah, I mean I can't say for certain whether that happened or not No I heard um, but, I heard some things but like, yeah like obviously the situation with the lights not not working is not ideal and the lads <laughs> not playing yeah. um, really frustrating for fans but to be honest not having that game in the legs possibly might help us in terms of you know as Matt um, alluded to um the current situation with injuries and bits and pieces like that so um. You know, everyone knows the the Christmas period is probably the busiest period of the year, and um, so to have that
1: one game less and a bit a bit of rest in the legs is probably a good thing. Excellent. We'll come back to you in a second, Matt. But first, let's get the thoughts of Neil Harris. There wasn't very much for him to say after the game. <laughs> uh, the uh, the interview was only one minute forty, but we'll get his thoughts anyway.
5: Well, Neil, an extraordinary situation here
6: here at Stephen Edge Power failure, no game this evening. What's your initial thought? Uh, yeah, bizarre one. I don't think I've been in this situation before. Don't think I've. I've I've had delays before late kickoffs, offs waiting for the power to come out been involved in games uh, important games as well that have had a floodlight failure during the game and been cancelled but no yeah there's nothing we can do about it lights are are semi-on but not playable not at this level not playable uh, wouldn't be suitable for two teams Um, it's a shame for everybody shame for us as a staff shame for you guys certainly a shame for two sets of players but then you've got to think about the fans there's a lot of fans travelled out The way ins almost full um, sort of 45 minutes before kick-off when the lights go out so it's a shame for everybody but it's the right call
5: uh, difficult, obviously, as you say, for the players. I mean, mentally as well as physically, they prepare for the game. They're out, they're doing the warm-up, then the lights go up, off. And yeah, it's just a difficult
6: situation all round for everyone, really. He is, yeah, and it'd have been tough for the players to come back out. Two sets of players to come back out. And he's certainly run the risk of injury in that, in that situation. Um, so it's the right call. The referees made a sensible decision of the lights. But he gave it as long as he possibly could by the letter of the law. You, know, you have to wait till 15 for an 845 kickoff. Um, we left it as long as we can. Both teams wanted to play. Um, so you know we, we, we gave it as long as physically possible. Um, EFL were on the phone with PGMOL as well so to make sure the decision's made correctly. Um, but ultimately it's nothing to do. it's not Steven's Steven's fault, it's nothing to do with Steven. It's just an outside issue, so look we have to accept it and um, you know move on to Monday.
7: Thanks for you soon, Neil. Cheers. Pleasure. Thank
1: you. Cheers. So Matt, are you still with us? Yeah, I'm still here. I mean, Neil Harris there basically was being very well. Some people would say he was probably being very, being very charitable and very much taking the it is what it is rule. But joking aside, I mean, th- these things can happen, of course. And I was trying very hard not to make the joke about putting 50p in the meter, uh, which is at the top of the show. <laughs> Definitely got a few laughs anyway. But it, so, I mean, let's let's just turn the clock back uh, to boxing. We haven't had a show since Christmas, Eve, so we've had a game in between all that, really. Um, let's look back at Oxford, Matt. Um, lost two one. Um, what did you make of the performance on the night?
0: Yeah, I, I, the p- p- performance uh, was was very good first half. Um, you know, I thought we were co- you know completely the the better team in the game in the first half. Should have should have been two or three nil up with with the chances we created. And you know, Oxford are, are a really good side. You know, there's no doubt about that. And um, you know, we made them look ordinary. Um, but as I say, you know, we're, when we're on top and we're in the ascendancy, and you know, you look at the line-up and we had no no out-and-out out striker on the pitch whatsoever. You know, it's something that we've spoken about, the injury issues going on right now. Um, those chances, you know, the, the other players have got to step up and they've got to take them. And, you know, Jordan Cousins scored, uh, you know, a good goal from, from a corner. Um, but, you know, the, the the missed header from James Brophy, um, which, he, you know, six yards out, he's got to score. Um, and, and that was a bit of a turning point. Second half, you know, Oxford came out. Um, you know, we tried to keep them at bay, but as soon as, as soon as they pulled the first goal back, it, it was one-way traffic. You know, the, the players looked out on their on their legs, and you know they were they were trying to stop the onslaught coming from Oxford, but they were giving away sort of cheap free kicks in in, in the wrong areas, and you know having to defend really really deep. And uh, you know, Neil tried to make the subs to you know try and shore it up a little bit, and it, and it, you know it's a shame that they couldn't hold out. You know, conceding a goal in the 95th minute is, is always cruel. But, um, you know, Oxford, the pressure just told and the, and the players just couldn't do any more than what they had done. So, you know, a really hard result to take. Um, you know, definitely deserved the point from the game, but we didn't get it. Um, but, yeah, just, it, you know, they, they worked hard, they battled hard and, yeah, they just they just ran out of steam right at the end, which was, as I say, you know, a real, real shame uh, because they deserved a lot more than what they
2: got. Billy, your thoughts? Yeah, it was gutting. Um, I think we definitely deserved a point from that. I do seem to remember last season, I think it was Tyler Goodrum scored a very late winner against us um, as well. So a little bit of deja vu there. Um, You know, we put in, uh, yeah, I thought we played well, but we missed having that focal point up front. I do think we really missed having a Hadme. But, you know, it's a chance now for other players to take their opportunities and uh, kick on from here. Salim, disappointing defeat, of course, um, in the end. always, uh, It's disappointing <laughs> to concede a
1: 96-minute winner as well. It was deemed to be controversial as well, and, it's, and obviously you know, no VAR, no technology, yeah. of course, down at that level. Um, what I want to know, really, from yourself, Salim, first of all, is this is a to- very big talking point, the lack of strikers, lack of firepower up front, really, with Elias and uh, Gassan out injured. How will Neil Harris deal with that? What do you do? Do you have to reinvent a player in some way or try and... Play with a false nine, like some teams successfully have done in the past, or do what Pep's done at City, and you know, sort of have a rotating nine. What, how do you solve a problem like that?
4: Um, I think it's, it's a difficult one because different managers will have different ways they go about it. Um, like you, obviously, you mentioned Pep there. Um, Manchester City have a, a particular style of play, um, you know, so they can they can do that and play without without a number nine. And we've seen that in in seasons gone. Um, but with regards to what. Um, Nez will want to do with the the team I think it's really up to him Um, obviously not having the strikers and the style of play that we have is going to affect us Um, whether other players can step into that position and and do a job as best they can you know we've seen SK um, start up top which is not his first position but he's he's done a job for us there Um, whether they can you know step in and do that job I think it remains to be seen. Um, obviously, we've also got you know New Year tomorrow, <laughs> yeah. so um, January yeah. that means January transfer window. So um, he might look to recruit
1: through that. You know, um, he's admitted he's going to have to dip into the market really as well. That's something that he yeah. said. He's he's kind of you know. I mean, a lot of teams at that level will will have to do that anyway. Of course, really. So, Matt, your thoughts on this? How do you solve a problem like a lack of strikers at, the, at this stage? Uh, Stick Salim up
5: front <laughs> 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 Not wrong <rub>,
1: not <laughs> Well actually it's, fu- it's funny you say that Because there was a goalkeeper Yesterday in Scotland That actually Came off the bench And scored a 30 yard worldie. So it just goes to show Actually that people Can be repurposed If if they want to be But in all seriousness though, Matt What would you do If you were Neil Harris
0: um, I, I think uh, I think Glenn McConnell Might, might be an option um, Probably one that he he wouldn't want to use but I know you know from the youth team and everything he's, he's had a little bit of a spell um, up front and scored some goals I think on loan at St Albans last season I think it was uh, you know playing you know up top so I think you know for, for Monday um, if we're not able to get anybody in because as Salim says the window opens so you know Neil will be trying to get a, a, definitely a striker in um, first and foremost now um, you know that could be an option um, uh, you know Sully Kaikai can go there again you know he played up there uh, on Boxing Day and as I say just ran you know ran out of steam just ran out of legs um, in the end which, were, which was a shame but uh, yeah we didn't have that focal point in the second half that we needed and he's not that type of player anyway you know he's you know, run through into the box and score the type, type of striker um, but yeah it's going to be tough so you know somebody's say, somebody's going to have to step up and go up there. Um, you know, I'm sure Neil would have worked on something with the, you know, the extra sort of time he got after not playing Friday. Um, you know, so he's been able to set up, probably, you know, go and watch Late in Orient as well, um, if when they play to, you know, watch the highlights and everything. So he'll have an idea of what to do and what to try and do. It's not gonna be easy. Um, you know, and as I say, some, somebody's going to just have to play out of position potentially, unless there is, as we say, somebody is lined up and it will be announced in the morning that we've got a new striker in the club, uh, you know, in time for the Orient game tomorrow. So, but yeah, if, if not, some, somebody, Glenn McConnell, Jack Lancaster, um, as I said, we don't know about Sully, uh, whether he'll be fit or not, because obviously he wasn't in the team Friday. So, Hopefully he might be back and he can go up top again. Or, as I say, yeah, another youngster, Salim, or some Rossi, you know, centre-half, sure. centre-half <laughs> up front and see what we can do. We've so. had that
1: before in We've had Some teams have played centre-backs up front and it's worked actually rather well. So, you know, it can, it can happen. You can sort of, uh, if you're good with your feet, that, that is a good uh, starting point. Billy, your, your thoughts on this, really. Some interesting um, options there that Matt would put forward if he was in Neil Harris's shoes.
2: Yeah, I mean, one other person I would mention would be Seiko Janna as well. I think he would have been gutted that the game was called off because, you know, he was getting his first start for a while. So, I mean, I would probably guess that that's going to be the option if we don't bring someone in. But the other thing I would also say is that I mean, I, what to do with Ghassan now? I mean, he's on loan until January.
1: Yeah, do you send him back to, to his parent exactly. club um, and, you know, and to get the rehab and then bring him back in? I don't know what the clause is or the terms yeah. and conditions are or whatever,
2: but... No, and so it'll be interesting to see um, how Neil Harris handles that one, whether he's going to wait for Okinabiri and uh, Hadme to come back. Um, but he will definitely be looking to bring someone in as well. Who would be top of your wish list Anyone who can score goals, I don't yeah, mind. Anyone
1: in particular, that's caught <laughs> your eye from a Premier League team or a Championship team, a young player that think, "Oh, that'd be perfect for the Cambridge uh, way of doing things."
2: I'm no, not really at the moment. I mean, that's. I'm luckily I'm not paid to make these decisions. So, uh, <laughs> look, I mean, I, I think we need someone who's got a physicality about them that's our style of play that's what we look to do we look to you know someone who can pin a man I, I was disappointed earlier in the season when I saw uh, I believe it was Cheltenham signed Uche uh, Ipezu, yeah, yeah. He, used to play for,
1: he used to play for for Cambridge of course while, yeah, yeah. one of the most entertaining
2: well, yeah. entertaining Cambridge players I've ever watched to be fair um, but look it'll be interesting to see what kind of mould a striker they bring in maybe we go for someone a bit different and of a different mould to Okinabiri and Ahadme um, but, you know, I'll just be excited and I'll support whoever's wearing the shirt.
1: OK, good stuff. Matt, I've got to ask you one other question about Oxford. Just going back to that, before we go on to Leighton Orient, I must ask you this very important question. 96-minute winner for Kieran Brown, was it offside or not?
0: Uh, it, it was hard to tell. Yeah. It was really hard to tell. I mean, I think he was probably just about onside. Um, you know as you say we don't have the AR thank God we don't because that would just ruin the hard football as well um, you know it, to me he looked, he looked onside I think Michael Morrison might have been playing him on, but it, you know from the angle it wasn't the best to tell and in fairness uh, Morrow was the only one that was appealing and the goalkeeper uh, Jack Stevens. so um, you know I think the, the linesman probably got it right but yeah it, it was whichever way it was, it was a gutter and it, it's something that you know we probably should have just seen out for a point but we didn't and as you say that's football and you know we've scored late goals before ourselves when we haven't deserved it and uh, you know we've conceded one there which we didn't deserve to concede on, on, on the boxing day so yeah you know that's football unfortunately so I, I won't argue with the ref this time <laughs> <laughs>
4: I think the foul I, I can't remember was it for the first goal or the second goal um on Benno mm. was probably more concerning than the offside appeal for the second goal. What do you think, Matt?
0: Yeah, yeah, I think you're right, Salim. I think um, you know the, the the way that we gave away the free kick, and I say whether it was a free kick, you you're spot on. Mm. Um, the referee was very, very weak. Yeah, um, I have to say in the second half, I thought you know every single time Oxfords were you know were going over, um, he was he was very quick to give a free kick their way, and didn't really seem particularly interested in giving us one. So oh, yeah,
4: because you see um, the lads appeal for it, and then yeah. obviously it just breaks away, and then before you know it, the ball's in our box, and then it goes in, and Benno's yeah. still <laughs> Benno's still trying to recover in. Mm.
0: Yeah yeah I completely agree but it's it's one of them, and it's it's that's a situation where you know we we've got to slow the game down you know do do we kick the ball away? you know we don't like saying it, you know the dark arts, but do we yeah. sort of nudge the ball out to try and you know slow the game down, taking yellow cards so we've got time to reset and refocus and it's something as i say it's something neil will will have, will have looked at and' will, will keep working on and you know point something like that out you know in that situation what can we do better block the ball kick it away do anything just to slow it down so we're ready and, and reset ready to defend a free pick which is you know as I say which unfortunately we we weren't quite ready the ball's in the back of the net hasn't it
2: yeah yeah. it was just one of those where it was just bouncing around and you know it was just a little bit of luck unfortunately that they got in the end it was uh, no it was gutting but like the I would say the defending it was a little bit panicked um, as Matt just said, but just didn't get it away. And if we're not going to clear our lines, then other teams are going to be there waiting to take their opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. So, right, guys, we've got one uh, game left of this festive
1: period. It's <laughs> tomorrow, New Year's Day, first game of 2024, and it's a home game as well, Lake Orient at home. Matt, first of all, what can Harris expect from a, a game like that, bearing in mind they're a fellow mid-table side?
0: Yeah, they are, um, but they can't be good on their day. The show just that, um, you know, when we played them away, uh, you know, whenever it was August, September time, um, when they really, really put us to the sword. Mm. Um, I mean, we were dreadful. We were absolutely yeah. awful that day. It's probably one of our worst performances of the season, but they were, they were very, very good. They popped the ball around really well. They attacked very quickly. They used their, you know, their wingers and their full backs overlap. And um, you know we're going to have to keep it tight. You know we're going to have to, you know, be, try and be on the front foot and pressurise them from the go, if we can. Um, and you know, like I said from the Oxford game as well, if we get a chance, we, you know, we've got to be a lot more clinical when it comes. And you know, if we if we can get one or two nil up, you know, take the sting out of the game, slow the game down. Um, you know, Mabel won't like that. That's for sure um you know let's just say a t- couple of the tactical fouls as well you know just you know make it solid um but it's a game that you know had had we had you know two strikers or one striker i'd have probably been quite confident about um but we'll see tomorrow um, but you, we need to get something out of the game and there's no reason that we, we still can't get something out of the game even even with no strikers it just I say the boys when the chances come they've just got to be ruthless and take them but yeah it'll be a tough game tomorrow the, the full house go almost all round as well which mm-hmm. is which is always good to see
1: yeah, Well, Leighton Orient, of course, fellow mid-table team, they'll probably take a mid-table finish too, like Cambridge probably will this season. Four points from six over the festive period themselves, beat Charlton, Drew with Wickham... And they go with a sort of 4-2-3-1, so expect attacking from them as well, not dissimilar to Cambridge. Richie Welland is their manager these days. He's probably glad he's still not at Salford, given that the Class of 92 project is unravelling, to say the very least. Billy, what are your thoughts ahead of tomorrow's game?
2: I mean, it's a chance to leapfrog a direct rival in the table. It's one of those where it's... If we want to finish where we want to finish this season, they're the games that we want to be winning. And, you know, maybe a little bit of... uh, feeling a little bit hard done by with the injuries and things like that might be a little bit of motivation that they need to actually go and get the three points in the end. And Salim, your thoughts out of tomorrow's game?
4: Yeah, I think, um, obviously, we're playing Leighton again. I think, hopefully, it'll be a very different game to what it was um, at their place. From what I heard, um, it seemed very flat. You know, tomorrow, like Matt said already, the, the Abbey's pretty much sold out. You know, we know the atmosphere that that can create and the energy that it can create. Um, and the players will feed off that energy, even though they, you know, we are a bit stro- um, short. Short? Yeah. yeah, short for <laughs> strikers. Tongue twister. <laughs> we are a bit short for strikers. Um... And yeah, with obviously the rest as well um, from not playing at Stevenage, I think it, it could be really, really positive and you know,
1: a positive start for ourselves. Excellent. Well, thank you very much indeed for your time, Matt. Uh, good to hear from you again. Happy New Year to you.
0: Happy New Year, everyone. Take care. Happy New right. Year to you Year again New next Matt.
1: week, Matt. Take care. Bye bye. So, on today's From the Terraces, we'll review how Cambridge City fared later on in the show in 2023. But first, I've been having a look at the last 12 months at Cambridge United. From the
0: Terraces on Cambridge 105 Radio.
1: Cambridge United went into the final day of the 2022-23 season, needing a minor miracle to survive relegation to League Two. Staying up seemed at best a remote possibility following a run of just one win in 15 matches, a 1-0 home triumph over Oxford United. But the U's did come into some form in April with three wins in four, including a 2-0 victory over rivals Peterborough United. A 2-1 away win in April at fellow strugglers Accrington gave the U's a lifeline, but defeat to Burton Albion in the penultimate game of the season dealt them a huge blow. Going into the final day, Cambridge needed to beat Forest Green Rovers at a sold-out Abbey Stadium and for Morecambe and the MK Dons to drop points to stay up. But the stars aligned and the U's won 2-0 thanks to goals from fan favourite Harrison Dunk and Sam Smith, and other results went their way on a nervy Sunday afternoon. From the Terraces, host Tim Armitage says the club survived the hard way despite the excitement the final day had to offer. If we'd won one or two more that we should have won and we got some more draws, we could
7: have been 10, 12 points ahead of where we are now and all of this would have been, we'd have had a, a very boring end to the season where we're playing for literally nothing, not going to go up, not going to go down. And and that, yeah, I mean, it's great that the excitement's kept to the end but we'd rather have been in the position where there was nothing to play for at the end of, uh, at the, end of the season. So what
1: did head coach Mark Bonner make of their great escape? We had to win the game firstly, and that was the task.
5: We've done that, but then in the end, the other side of it, second half, was just seeing what happened elsewhere, and that was, that was horrible. It's actually a great way for it to end for everyone because it's drama, but it's not enjoyable. It's not enjoyable at all. A relieved Bonner also said it was a team effort on and off the pitch that kept his side up. Now, board of directors and owners absolutely deserve it. What they're doing for our club, the stability they've given us, uh, the finance that they've given us to keep us growing, and, and the loyalty they've shown to me, to us, to stick with it. Let's be honest, most football clubs would have changed their manager during this season. I'm delighted that they didn't,
1: because I think we're trying to build something as a group. Cambridge United had fallen into the drop zone on January the 14th, but climbed out of it on that tense final day. 2023 began with a crushing 5-0 defeat at Sheffield Wednesday, but five wins in their last nine games proved to be crucial. There had been calls to sack Bonner, and as we know, that happened in late November. More on that later. But back to the summer, and as expected, there were several outgoings, and top goalscorer Sam Smith was perhaps the most notable departure. He was followed out of the door by the likes of Lloyd-Jones, Harvey Nibs, Joe Ironside, Dimitar Mitov, Liam O'Neill and Greg Taylor. And five new signings were made. Danny Andrew, goalkeeper Jack Stevens, Jordan Cousins, Elias Kachunga, a familiar face returned, former Loney Sully Kakai, who this time joined on a permanent deal. In other player news, Hughes midfielder George Thomas, who arrived on a short-term deal in January, signed a new two-year contract in June. He says he was eager to stay at the Abbey Stadium.
0: I was buzzing to get a sword in the end. I mean, I really enjoyed my time at the club at the end of last season. Great bunch of lads, good manager, and we had a good end to the season. And I just wanted to keep that going this season, and I'm looking forward to getting started. Came here in January, got a little bit of a knock as soon as I got here, but then managed to get fit for the last few games, and... Yeah, as I said, just it was a good bunch of lads, made me feel welcome.
1: The fans had plenty to smile about on the opening day of the new season as the U's beat Oxford United 2-0 thanks to goals from Jack Lancaster and debutant Gassant Ahadme, a late summer arrival on loan from Ipswich. The performance was exactly what Mark Bonner was looking for.
5: Yeah, I thought we were excellent, really good, really good value for the result and I thought the performance was um, was very strong. <coughs> different uh, Different sections within the game but first 30 minutes was the absolute blueprint for us. I thought we were outstanding. And then second half, um, we struggled to get out of our half a little bit, but we never felt under huge pressure. We did have to defend the goal a couple of times. Liam Bennett very well on a couple of occasions. Um, Subs made us better, did did exactly what we needed to do in that period and shifted the game. It's a a really good result and a really
1: good start. They also beat Bristol Rovers and Fleetwood Town by the same 2-0 scoreline. Three wins from their first five games left the Amber Army just outside the playoff places at the end of August. September began with a home match against Reading and former U's midfielder Nibbs was back in town along with the television cameras. The host won 1-0 and Bonner was delighted that his players delivered on their big night.
5: When you get a night like this, you know, we're not in the spotlight often or on the stage often. So when we are, we have to try and make it work. So you hope that the club re- represents itself well. I thought the atmosphere was great in the stadium and I hope that came across on the television. And I thought our level was very good as well spirited but good quality in it as well tactically a nice game aggressive um, good tempo about it really good energy from those boys that came off the bench so when you get those chances you gotta you gotta try and make that work for you and, and look a good side and we did tonight
1: The 1-0 victory was the U's only win in September. They lost to Wigan and Peterborough and drew with Port Vale and Derby. October started badly with a heavy 4-0 defeat at home to Barnsley and the TV cameras were back for their away trip to Burton Albion. This time the U's lost by two goals to one. Their head coach said that his players left themselves too much to do after going two down.
5: To go in a half-time in that position, we needed more aggression in the, in the second half. We needed more of a front-footed attitude um, rather than just almost seeing where the game went, grab it by the scruff of the neck. We did it miles better in the second half, but you, you give yourself too much of a mountain to climb when you when you fall behind against a team like that.
1: In November, the youth's chief executive officer, Alex Tunbridge, revealed the club as in a better place financially and on course to become sustainable. Tunbridge also told Cambridge 105 Radio that season ticket sales are up, there are plans to improve the training facilities and the club wants to increase the stadium capacity to 12,000 within three to five years. He says things are moving forward and money is being spent wisely.
8: We've got an agreement in principle which will see a new supporters club built at the front of their existing lands with the rear of the existing land where the current supporters club is being gifted back to the football club and uh, then being used for the stadium development and the expansion of the NRE. So it needs to go to an EGM, there'll be some legal work to do as well but hopefully we'll be in a position by the start of November where that's been ratified and then we can get on with the final legal bits and um, and move forward with the projects. We need to work with the neighbours, we need to work with um, all kinds of people to make sure that Not only do we increase the capacity, but we build a facility that's going to benefit the community, particularly the Abbey Ward. Um, We know about the levels of deprivation here, and if we can build in facilities into this stadium development that's going to benefit them, then we think that's an important thing we should do. It's fantastic that the supporters club and and their members have have voted for the proposal which will see us build a new club at the front of their land and and the rear land gifted to us to develop the NRA in the habit. In terms of the project, we want to get a planning application in by the middle of next summer and that will be a full site development. We'll be looking to release our plans early in the new year to supporters. There'll be a period of consultation with supporters and stakeholders and then it's probably a five-year project to, to do all of it in terms of having the NRE and the Supporters Club.
1: But even bigger news was to come in November, and it was something that upset many fans. After a run of one win in 13 games, Bonner was sacked despite signing a long-term contract in September. The 3-0 defeat against Lincoln was the match that sealed his fate, and he left the club in 18th position, four points above the drop zone. In that run, the U's only victory came at home to Carlisle, and their losses included a 5-0 thumping at Peterborough. In his last interview as Cambridge boss, Bonner admitted things were not looking good.
5: It's a poor defeat for us, really, against a, against a decent side. But um, you know, we're, we're having a tough time at the moment for results and a few individuals for for little bits of quality that we need. We're uh, we're struggling a little bit.
1: Bonner has a very long association with Cambridge United, and he worked his way up to the top job. After taking temporary charge in early 2020 following Colin Calderwood's departure, he became head coach on a permanent basis, and the club were promoted in his first full season in charge. He's included that promotion and the one-nil win over Newcastle in the FA Cup early last year. Plus, he must have minded the famous Great Escape last season. Here's football analyst Tim Armitage again.
7: It's interesting. I, I was shocked we actually did it, but in a but probably not a surprise. I think it was one win in 13 before Lincoln, uh, and another poor. Performance really sealed his fate. It's difficult because, because it happened when I mean, we got very short notice that it was going to happen. Um, I think we got the email around about 10 and they said they were announcing it at 10 past 10. So it was one of those things that came up very quickly. I wonder whether there was a meeting after the Lincoln game um, to finalise it. But obviously they'd have been looking at it for a, for a while because of the, the poor performance. But the interesting thing is, of course, he's only just two months ago signed a long-term term deal with them
1: barry court and kevin Betsy were put in temporary charge Cor was gutted to see his former boss go bonza
9: has been so he's such a big figure for the club and he's so important to the club and everybody really you know is very fond of him there was a, a really strange atmosphere and people were shocked and, and, and upset about it but football just it happens quick and you just got
1: to get yourself going again and, and that's it but who would replace bonner long term Danny Cowley and Gareth Ainsworth were among the early bookies' favourites, but they eventually chose Neil Harris, who was appointed on December the 6th. The former Cambridge City striker led Millwall's promotion in 2017, and in the same season he took the Lions to the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. Harris has also managed Cardiff, and most recently Gillingham. In his first interview as Hughes head coach, he said he wanted to hit the ground running. For me it's about
6: building confidence quickly, trying to bring a little bit of continuity in my messages, in team selection if possible, barring injuries and suspensions obviously, but trying to build foundations quickly within the group. And that means at the moment making sure we try and eradicate the fear of the
1: bottom four, but also trying to push up the league as well. He took great encouragement from his first game in charge of the U's, a 2-2 draw away at Charlton.
6: And the way we built play was outstanding. We, you know, we, we passed the ball. We ran forward. We passed forward. We put balls in the box. We forced set plays. It was a danger on set plays. But and ultimately, just that final win product or a little bit of luck. We could have had those three or four goals. It didn't materialise. But then 15 minutes to go, you know, once we adjusted the shape, we looked at a real threat again. And again, character, but the quality as well. The quality was really, really good at times.
1: Off the pitch, the youth continue to run community football sessions, including a weekly one for people who struggle with their mental health. Phil Mullin leads them.
5: I would say yes, it's been a huge success in to how it helps individuals come along, play football in a fun, safe environment. It gives them the chance to be social, make friends and also form a little support group for each other.
1: And in September, the club revealed its new crest after months of consultation. In February, the U's under-18s were handed a dream FA Youth Cup quarterfinal tie with Arsenal at the Emirates Stadium. Cambridge United's youngsters beat the likes of Stevenage, Portsmouth, Chelsea and Sheffield Wednesday to earn a spot in the last eight of the competition for the first time. Ethan Noaneri put the Gunners ahead, but the U's equalised through Josh Robinson's own goal, and the scores were level at one each at half-time. Jimmy Unwin's side dared to dream when Kai Yearn put them two on up with little over 20 minutes left, but late goals from Amari Kozia dubry and Michael Rorschach saw Arsenal steal the 3-2 win. And the U's women's team ended the 22-23 season in eighth place in the Division 1 South East. Darren Marjoram's side have already beaten last season's points tally of 14. They reached 18 in their first ten matches of this campaign. Marjoram had a busy summer, recruiting no fewer than seven new players and promoted three more from the development team. They got off to a bumpy start with a 5-0 home defeat in the League Cup against Norwich. But things have picked up and back-to-back wins over Ashford and London Seaward in recent matches have given Marjoram reason to
2: be optimistic. You know, Ashford, tough side to beat, really good players. They know what they're doing. They're well drilled. They're well organised. And, you know, firstly, for us to score four against them, I think, was was phenomenal because not many teams are going to do that this season. Um, two worldy free kicks. So, all those scores, four three, you know, I, I think their chance count really was pretty much everything they scored, whereas we had others. So, really pleased with that one. And then Seawood on a, on a Thursday night is always going to be tough.
0: From the Terraces on Cambridge 105 Radio.
1: Cambridge City travel to Spalding tomorrow and there'll be a reunion for Steph Broccoli who is hoping to face his former club. The Lilywhites rescued a point against Corby in midweek. Mikey Davis's free kick enabled them to do so and Joe Welch saved a penalty as well. They're still in a relegation scrap but the run of defeats is at least over. Uh, Robbie Nightingale might take a point tomorrow given that Spalding are second in the league but of course you always want to try and get the three. Uh, in these uh, sort of games so better days ahead hopefully for city 2024 will hopefully be the year they get into the new stadium at and there's still a fair bit of work to do on that front and just a short time ago i looked back at cambridge united's 2023 which saw a great escape a change of manager and big development news off the pitch as well in 2023 the Lilywhites had a successful crowdfunding campaign despite some disappointing results on the pitch here's my take on the lily year from the terraces on cambridge 105 radio Cambridge City's move to source and is still on the horizon and kind-hearted fans, businesses and even their CEO Adam White dipped into their pockets to help them with a crowdfunding campaign to raise money for changing rooms and other facilities at the new stadium. The club's set a target of just over £43,000 in August and reached it in just two months. Alice Dewey is their general manager. It's a large
3: building, two floors, lots of different rooms that will allow us to become a community hub for the local area. Um, And there's so many people wanting to get in there and using it, whether it's businesses for business meetings or community groups, crafting groups, etc. All sorts. And we can't wait to get everybody in there and using it.
1: Could 2024 be the year they finally move in? For now, Westwood Road at St Ives remains their home from home. The new stadium has already had a few visitors though, with Cubs from the first Sawston Scout Group popping in in October for a guided tour. And the changing rooms arrived in early December, and they'll be installed once the internal fit-out has been finished. City finished the 2022-23 season nine points clear of the relegation zone, despite a run of just one win from their last seven matches. Their first game of 2023 ended in a 2-1 defeat against Dearham, but they went into the final day of the season already safe, despite a 4-0 loss at home to Chasetown. Their survival owed much to the goals of veteran striker Dan Cotton, who scored 11 in all competitions at the back end of last season. Manager Robbie Nightingale held the impact the 34-year-old made.
3: I think he's been absolutely outstanding, you know, for a lad that's 34 years old, um, to come in and, you know, he'd played, I think, 12 games, 14 games, so he actually hadn't scored a goal. He's come in with us, scored 15 in 25. So, you know, fantastic sort of uh, return someone of his age, and and you know we're we you know we're thoroughly looking forward to having him with us again next year.
1: Over the summer, boss Robbie Nightingale brought an experienced goalkeeper Dan George, centre back Richard Black, Joe Hood, Ryan Swift, Stan Leach, Steph Broccoli, and promoted Caleb Chandler from the youth setup. Ben Nolan and Jared Robson were among the departures, but Nightingale stayed loyal to many of the players who were at the club last season. City's manager was especially thrilled to bring Broccoli in after he impressed at Spalding last term.
3: He would come in and, and provide us with different type of playing in the ten. You know, he's somebody that you can play through. He he's a strong runner of the ball. He's not particularly big, but he's technically very, very good. You know, he was at Peterborough, went to Newcastle, come back, and he's he's played a lot of football over the last two years. And, you know, we were over the moon when he decided to come and join us.
1: The 23-24 campaign got off to a bizarre start for the Lily Whites. They took on Hadley United in their first game of the season in the FA Cup extra preliminary round. But the game was abandoned at half-time due to a waterlogged pitch. City had led 3-0 thanks to goals from Cotton, Broccoli and Mikey Davis before the game was stopped. Robbie Nightingale was left frustrated.
3: So look, the fact that we started the game in the conditions and the pitch was, yeah, you know, it was wet to start with. The fact that people are out forking a pitch before a game that then disappear at half-time, that was a little bit... Disappointing for me, and I know that people say that oh, it was really heavy, but it was really heavy from 1.30 when we turned up. So it was really heavy throughout, but look, it is what it is.
1: But the story did have a happy ending. Three days later, the teams did battle again, and City won 3-2 despite trailing at half-time. Their first league game of 23-24 ended in victory too, as a youthful 11 earned a 3-2 triumph over Gresley Rovers. Nightingale urged his players to carry the momentum forward into their next game with Harborough.
3: We haven't had a victory on the first day for a a very long time. So it's really nice to start the season with a win and and a good performance in the majority of it. So, you know, we go again on Tuesday. And so there's lots to be pleased with on that front. You know, hopefully we can take that into Tuesday and, you know, just sharpen up ourselves with with a few bits. And hopefully we can give Harbor, a strong Harbor team, you know, plenty to be worried about.
1: The Lily-Whites lost 3-1 at Harbour and September saw them play just one league game due to FA Cup and FA Trophy commitments. Their FA Cup run this season has been particularly impressive with the club reaching the third qualifying round after seeing off Newmarket, Leyton Town and Biggleswade. City's run came to an end with a 3-0 away defeat to National League Northside Hereford who themselves went on to make the first round proper. Nightingale, though, felt his side could have done better on the day.
3: You know, they, they took their chances. You know, Joe's not had an awful lot to do um, in our goal, you know, so... You know, it was one of those where, you know, we were all fairly disappointed when we got in the changing room because we thought, you know, we, we didn't really compete to the level that we've, we've competed at, certainly, you know, the last little month. And so that was probably the, the disappointing thing. But, you know, these things are always going to come to an end. And, you know, it was a good crowd. there was a great atmosphere in the stadium. And, you know, I said to the guys, you know, they're the types of games that you want to be involved in
1: and Leighton got their revenge by knocking them out of the FA Trophy in the second qualifying round. City have struggled for consistency so far this season, but have impressed with convincing wins over Rugby Town and Shepshed Dynamo. The manager was especially thrilled with a 4-1 victory over Dynamo, given they'd conceded two late goals in their game with Coleshill prior to it.
3: You know, in, in my sort of six, seven years in charge, that's probably the best footballing performance I've had, you know, and it was a great, that you know, we, we, we tore Shepshed apart every time we went forward, the movement, the... The one-twos and the combinations around the box, they just they just couldn't live with us.
1: The Whites then lost against Sporting Calcer, Boldmere St Michael's, Lightown and Hinckley to round off a frustrating November where they picked up just three points from a possible 15. They've been languishing at the wrong end of the table for much of this season. It's been a tough start to the new season for the ladies' side. Last season they picked up just seven points and lost both derby games to rivals Cambridge United. No one was relegated from the division in 22-23, but two sides will go down this year. City have been managerless for part of the new season after sacking Fadi Masloom and Paul Burling has been in temporary charge. City ladies have suffered some heavy defeats including an 8-3 reverse against Chesham but City held Cambridge United to a goalless draw in October and got their first win of the season against Haywards Heath in November.
0: From the Terraces on Cambridge 105 Radio.
1: When we
5: come back uh, we'll be talking uh, all things history.
9: All the subtle noise of the city, there's a village green. It's been a long time since I last set eyes on the church with the steam down by the village
1: green. So, our final talking point today Histon uh, in the A428 Classico lost 3 2 at St. Neitz. They nearly pulled off a Rocky-esque comeback. There was a reunion with Chris Nunn facing Cameron Moore, who played for him at Biggles Way Town. Nunn, of course, took town from step five to step three. They were missing Danny Gould, but Jim Burnside was back from suspension and had a big role to play. So Needs went ahead on 22 minutes. Then they uh, added to their lead after the break as well. A uh, former Stute Resort got the third of those goals. Uh, Burnside then came on and got two late goals, but they just couldn't find a third. After the game, Stutes boss Chris Nunn had a chat with Billy.
2: So, Chris, I mean, a bit of a strange game yesterday, you know, a quiet first half, you know, one nil down at half time. Ended 3-2, but do you think St. It's deserved the win in the end yesterday?
7: Yeah, I think they did. I think I think there's little doubt about that. I mean, we actually started the game. I was quite happy. We started the game reasonably well. Uh Joe Sutton was really unlucky. He hit the bar, cracking effort. And we were doing okay. And then the penalty uh, you know, we, we felt our player was fouled before the penalty was given, but decisions like that happen. You have to accept it. We should have defended better. And we came out second half and it was just, we just, we had some boys missing that, that that we really did miss yesterday and it showed. Yeah. Uh, but saying that the lads out there, we, we kept going. And when it went two nil and three nil, you sort of felt like, you know, I actually we've got a reset button that we try and hit in games when that happens. And, fortunately we managed to get the opportunity to regroup and just went through some things that we needed to change and once we did that we actually uh we actually looked decent last 20 minutes if i'm being honest as good as we've looked and we got two goals and we really we could have easily got a third you know at the end there they were really hanging on so you know we were dead and buried so to come back from that and show the spirit we showed i think was an encouraging sign
2: yeah i mean this Despite the maybe deserved win for St. Neats, you showed a lot of character to come back. Are you happy to see that in your players?
7: Absolutely. You know, such a young team as well. We put uh, Dexter and young guy on and them two gave us lots of energy, um, you know, which which is obviously in football is massive. And we just kept going, you know, and, and, and Jim, who's been suspended for four games, he, he came into the fray yesterday for the last 20 minutes, got two goals and looked really sharp. So that was another encouraging sign. Uh, Jake Kierens was back from suspension yesterday. And we didn't really want to necessarily start Jake, not because he's he's uh, he is clearly good enough, but it's just uh, he's been out for quite a while when he got thrown in the deep end yesterday because of the players we had out due to illness and unavailability. So so it, it was a, a game where I think walking away, at, with, with 20 minutes left when it's 3-0, I'd have ripped your hand off at 3-2. With five minutes of injury time and it's 3-2 and we're, we're peppering their box, I'm thinking mm. we could get something here, but unfortunately we just fell short.
2: Yeah, and so you're happy with the character you've seen from your side because even though maybe you didn't deserve the three points, you know, if the game was a bit longer, you might have got at least a point out of that one. I I think
7: if they'd... Look, I mean, you know, um, their manager may think slightly differently, but I think another five, ten minutes to go, I think there was only ever going to be one more team that's going to score a goal. That's how I felt, you know, in the last sort of five, six minutes, you know, that they were literally... Which happens in football, you generally sit a little bit deeper when you're winning and you're sort of clinging on. Um... And there was a definite change in atmosphere uh, in the ground from 20 minutes left, you know, to to the final whistle. So, yeah, pleased with the boys' attitude, pleased the never say die attitude. Uh, but that's what I install into the players. That's what I want the players to have. You know, I, I don't want us. You know, it's different if it's five 0 and there's five minutes left. You know, you got to play a bit damage limitations. But yesterday we kept going to the very end, and for that, you know, I'm thankful and, and well done to the lads.
2: You haven't been in for the whole season, so I can't ask you to do a sort of year review, but how do you sum up your time in charge so far? Well, it's it's probably been, what is it, two
7: months um, I've been in, and I, I would say that I think we've had probably one really poor half, which was away at Bugbrook, um, and they deservedly beat the Saturday. Um, I think, you know, a, away from that, I think the lads have been excellent. You know, it's, it's, it's tough. You know, we were only three points off the bottom when I come in so we've sort of managed to get ourselves away from the bottom now I think it's 11 points I think away from, from the bottom so we've managed to climb the league a little bit we, I think we're playing good football we've managed to um, you know I think from, from everything every manager has to work to a budget I think we've we've had some sort of nine maybe ten players leave us so we've managed to bring the budget down a bit as well I believe so So we've done things that, that are not just on the pitch it's a question in terms of making sure the finances tally up Uh, we brought a bit of youth into the side and and I feel that we're playing good football so the two months I've had I've loved I'm really enjoying it some really good people at the club Uh, the support seems to be growing and we need to continue to improve between now and the summer to have a real good go at getting in the playoffs next year and you're happy
2: now where with the club is for the rest of the season
7: well look you know it's kind of strange isn't it because um you know it's virtually impossible to make the playoffs um you know I think we're Twenty-five points outside the plus, something like that. So that's 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 not going to happen. Um, and then you know we're, we're above, we, we feel relatively safe that we're not going to get dragged into a relegation zone. But you can never say never. Football is a crazy thing, you know, of, of happening. So we've, we've we've got a job to do in terms of would I like us to be another five or six positions high? Yes. Would I like us to have another ten points on the board? Yes. But we haven't. We've got to deal with the cards. Yeah, play with the cards that we've been dealt with. Uh, but I want us to finish the season off on a real high. We've got a cup semi-final to look forward to which is massive. And um, yeah, I just want us to, to play good football and just create an environment that people want to come and watch us play. So if we can do that for the remainder of the season, I'll be happy.
1: Chris Nunn there having a chat with Billy. Now, Billy's been a busy boy. He's also been chatting to Stutes Chairman John Hall
2: as well, who tells us about the club's short and
1: long-term plans and has a very important message for the fans.
2: So many people, will, like local people, will be familiar with Histon, you know, with their high points, you know, almost reaching the Football League, you know, the FA Cup runs. Obviously, the circumstances and where the club finds itself today is a little bit... Different, you know, how, how do you feel that that came about, that progression, or in, you may say regression, in the sense of where the club finds itself now? It was uh, punching
9: well beyond its uh,
2: hmm.
9: abilities, to be honest. A little local uh, village team, as we we're called, um, trying to get in the football league. Uh, nearly did it. Hmm. Congratulations to uh, the team involved at the time, but the monetary side was the downfall. Uh, the amount of cash that the club had to get through to mm. get to that position was just not sustainable. Mm. So um, I got pulled in some time, I can't remember the dates, but sometime after that to uh, to try and turn it around with a banking background. Um, it was tough, you had to make some tough decisions, so you tumble your way mm. back down through the leagues mm. until you find a level where you can sustain it. Mm. And it has to be run as a business, not as somebody's plaything. So that's the way it's now run.
2: And I mean this genuinely as a compliment. Like Histon were probably one of the biggest overachievers in the history of English football. Um, You know, what do you see as the differences between the you know the national league as it is now and the level where we find ourselves now, which is step five?
9: It's the money side of it. Mm. I mean, all the money is higher up the leagues. When we appointed um, Nani to the position, mm. he said about the amount you need for your team at each level. So it's quite staggering when you get to step two or step one to then get into the league. It's just how they do it. Mm. And we, what we don't want is to rely on individuals pumping money into the club. This has to be run, like I said before, as a business. Mm. So it has to be sustainable. Mm. And we'll spend what we get um, and get the best out of the players we can do.
2: And the ambition of the club I've seen is to, you know, play competitively at the highest level which is sustainable for the club. Do you see that as now going back up the levels and trying to find your way back up? Step, do you, yeah. step three in five years is
9: the, mm-hmm. is the plan. So, mm. Do you think that's then,
2: achievable? Yes. Next year
9: wants to win the playoffs, mm. if not a promotion spot, mm. if not then. The following
2: year mm. is to get promoted, and do you think you can do that by bringing more people in? You know, more higher match day attendances, and because Histon, you know, in the past have had you know thousands coming down here. Yep. I've been at games where there's been over five thousand yeah. here. Do you do you think you can recapture some Isn't of that in the about future? Results
9: at this level and mm. so the more um, wins you get,
2: mm. you know, the more chance
9: you've got. Appeal coming through the door, and um, mm. Chris Nunn is um, he wants to encourage. Um, like he goes out before the games and he'll have coffee in the village and that sort of thing. To, people get to know him mm. and that will just bring, and people enjoy it. That means three lads um, who've come this season, mm. who love it. Mm. And if they just say to a mate, come along, mm. and that doubles to six people. That's all you want, people to Yeah. Because, to be honest, our fans are getting on the elderly side. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we need to encourage some youngsters. And I see today there's quite a few youngsters in, so
2: which is good stuff. And so are you optimistic for the future of the club? Yes,
1: yes definitely. <laughs> yes, that is a uh, Jason Chairman, John Hall, having a chat with Billy, who's been a busy boy. He had a catch-up with him after the game with St. Neots, which, oh, sorry, Gold Manchester on uh, Boxing Day, rather. St. Neots uh, was uh, on Saturday yesterday in that thrilling game. So, Billy, you've obviously spent quite a lot of time uh, chatting to Chris uh, and getting to know Chris, going to the games, etc., etc. et cetera. So this is the interesting thing about the plan. Step three in five years is what they're talking mm. about. So two promotions in five years, effectively. They've restructured the league, so it's second to fifth now get a playoff play. Just it, it was beneficial when we had the conference back in the day. They changed the system. Rather than one team going up into the football league, another team is playing so many dead rubbers. You had a situation where actually there was more to play for, uh, and that's kind of the same in these leagues as well which i guess is quite beneficial
2: Mm, yeah no and just like on histon as a club like you know they very have a history almost got into the football league and i mean i said like the other the other day that i actually think histon are probably one of the biggest overachievers in english football history and massively yeah yeah.
1: too far too fast though is kind of what john hall was alluding to there yeah
2: and also like this a club really can only go so far to a certain extent. But what I would say about Histon, like for ten pounds, like you're getting phenomenal value. You go down there, you got the chairman going around handing out quality street to the fans and things like other, that.
1: Other chocolates are available. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, have to point, I have to point that out. Uh, absolutely good stuff, Salim. Yeah, your your thoughts on Histon, of course, as well. Three the the plan, of course, as I was just saying there. You know, th- uh, two promotions in five years. Is that yeah, achievable? Um, well, obviously it's, it's a
4: big target, um, but I think what matters most is having that sustainability um in place um it's a it's a building project it's not something that's going to be achieved overnight and fans will have to be patient with them players are going to have to be patient with themselves and staff the same um so yeah i think it is good to set those targets and to set that goal expectations Um, yeah yeah, but obviously managing the expectations and having uh a realistic barometer to mark you know your success against whether that be um you know like next season it being a mid-table finish because obviously they've they've been struggling this season they
1: will probably have to accept the mid-table yeah. this this yeah, season yeah. the playoffs are out the question this season. Yeah. it seems a bit of a, a long shot but yeah. you know but strange things have happened we've seen it happen with football we we saw we've seen teams go from down the bottom to up the top Aston Villa in the Premier League mm-hmm. of course last you can't really compare Histon to Aston Villa but, <laughs> but, but, but but the principles the same you know a team can actually make a spectacular rise so yeah. um, uh, yes, Chris Nunn, of course, has taken Biggleswet up, up the steps as well.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, he's. Um, he seems like a really good manager. He's got his players playing for him. You know, they seem really competitive and w- the one thing I was really impressed when I watched them was the, their physicality. They, in the Godman-Chester game, they really, you know, physically dominated that game. I was particularly impressed with uh, Max York at the back. Like He's... Is massive, like, I don't know what else to say.
1: Club legend, really, in that sense. Yeah, no,
2: but this season, it's about, it's not like uh, you can completely write off this season. This season is still important. uh, And in order to build in terms of, like, you know, if they want to achieve that plan, it's important this season to perform well and get results because ultimately that's what's going to bring people in... um, into into watch and as as I was just like saying previously it's like if you need, if you got a weekend free ten pounds like get down there like go and support another local team if you're yeah. not going to go yeah. to Cambridge United
1: I'll have to leave it there chaps thank you very much indeed for your time today this is the last edition of from the terraces for 2023 my thanks to Billy Matt and Salim for their inputs Happy New Year enjoy your plans for tonight and we'll be back uh, next Sunday first show of 2024 take care all the best bye bye.